You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 14th, 2018. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at omd. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about mock drafts. The Locked On NBA Mock Draft has begun. It is playing on the Locked On NBA podcast. You can check out that podcast over on iTunes. Be sure to type in Locked On NBA. Each one of us Locked On hosts picked for our teams. We tried making trades, so on and so on and so on and so on. And the first six picks were released on Wednesday. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about my pick in the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. To get the full context of it, though, I encourage you to download the Locked On NBA podcast with our picks on the Mock Draft. Of course, I had the sixth pick in the draft as the Orlando Magic, and I did my best, but I have to admit I am not 100% thrilled with my pick. But let's bring in the context. Here is my clip from the Locked On NBA podcast with my selection. Now, the Orlando Magic are obviously a team that is kind of in a little bit of a hole right now, and that's that's putting it kindly. The team won 25 games last year, haven't been in the playoffs in the last six years, haven't won more than 35 games in the last six seasons. They've got new management here. Uh, they were hired last summer, so this is really their first summer to make changes. They drafted a, a nice prospect in Jonathan Isaac, who barely played about 27 games last season. They have Aaron Gordon as a restricted free agent, and a lot of high-salary guys. Bismack Biombo at $17 million a year. Evan Fournier at $17 million a year. Uh, Terrence Ross at $10.5 million, or $11 million a year. Nikola Vucevic at $12.75 million this coming season. A lot of guys on big salaries that could find it very, very tough to move and frankly have probably hit close to their ceilings. This is a team that is looking for a new direction and looking for new change. And so quite simply, the Orlando Magic need everything. This is a team that has struggled to defend at a high level for the last six years. It's a team that struggled to score at a high level in the last six years. Despite that hot start at the beginning of the season when they went 8-4, and four, they turned out to be one of the worst shooting teams last year and have been a poor three-point shooting team all year, all for the last really half decade, six years during this rebuild. So again, it feels like Orlando's at a point in time where they're trying to reshuffle the roster and change everything. It feels like no one is safe, no one is permanent on this roster outside of Jonathan Isaac and this number six pick. There really isn't a quote-unquote dream scenario other than DeAndre Ayton somehow falling to six or Luka Doncic somehow falling to six, although maybe that's a little bit more possible. Because Orlando, again, needs about everything. They got to take the best player available in this draft, and whoever that might be uh, would be a good thing. There's been a lot of mock drafts out there. I've done a few mock drafts where Muhammad Bamba fell to six, where I had the choice between Muhammad Bamba and Trey Young, and honestly, I think that would be the most ideal decision for the Magic to make, to pick between the shot-blocking big man who can change your defensive identity and the sweet-scoring, sweet-shooting point guard that can change your offensive identity. Really, what Orlando wants to try and get is a player that will help set their foundation and change their identity in this draft. And that's why I've really targeted Muhammad Bamba and Trey Young in this draft as the two picks that the Magic would most like to have. There's obviously some other decisions to make, too. The big one among, the big one is uh, Michael Porter Jr., one of the top high school prospects entering, the, entering uh, college last season. Injured his back two minutes into the first game, for injured his hip in two minutes into his first game at Missouri. Missed the whole season after back surgery. This kid is extremely talented, extremely good, and would be could potentially be a superstar if his back checks out. And 
apparently had an impressive workout in Chicago uh, late last week. Uh, and and a lot of teams got his medical information there, and we'll get another chance to review his injured back there, there too. But for the Magic, that decision, while the Magic should take the best player available, the decision on whether to take Porter, if he is the best player on the board, plays into their decision in free agency this summer. Aaron Gordon is a restricted free agent and is most likely going to get a big, big offer, potentially a max offer from some team out there. It only takes one. Are the Magic ready to invest in Aaron Gordon long-term? Are the Mag- Would the Magic prefer to have Michael Porter Jr.? Do they view him as a better option? And if you want both, what does that mean for Jonathan Isaac? To me, Michael Porter Jr. is the one guy that, uh, that you could be really high on, but you've got to know, is he better than Aaron Gordon? And with his health scare, with his health concerns... I'm personally, I'm not willing to make that investment. Certainly not with the pieces that the magic have in place already. I'd rather stick with Aaron Gordon. And that's why I wanted to pass on Michael Porter Jr. So the way this mock draft has played out, and I'd like to thank the five hosts before me for making it play out this way, is pretty much the worst case scenario. There's no Muhammad Bamba. There's no Trey Young. There's no Jaron Jackson. In fact, the magic are left with probably the two best prospects on the board, honestly, are Marvin Bagley and Michael Porter Jr., the two prospects that I think do not fit what the Magic want to do or want to become in any way, shape, or form. Porter, perhaps, but again, like I said, I'd rather get Gordon. And so with that being the case, I tried to trade up a spot uh, once I saw how the draft was playing out. That didn't work. The Magic just didn't have any assets that anyone wanted. I tried to trade back a few spots to take the guy that I eventually did take, thinking, okay, someone's got to want Michael Porter or Marvin Bagley. But unfortunately... The, the teams that I talked to as I began to examine their rosters wasn't a lot I was willing to do. I mean, I talked to the I talked to Locked On Knicks for a little while about possibly swapping Tim Hardaway Jr. and Bismack Biombo, but that at the end didn't really uh, get me going either, uh, just because it would mean taking on a whole lot more money, although perhaps for a more productive player. And so I sat there at six and did what I had to do. I took the player that I thought would help the team the most and would fit with the ro- with the roster that they're currently building. And so I took Wendell Carter Jr. out of Duke. Just a solid overall player. Not a flashy player by any means, but a solid player that can lay a solid defensive foundation, uh, will protect the rim decently, score in the pick and roll, and do a lot of the little things that you need to do. A lot of people are taking to comparing him to Al Horford like it's a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Carter probably won't become the star that the Magic need, and I would suspect that they'll be back in the lottery again next year, regardless of who they pick. But Carter is a guy that can be a foundational piece, or be at least a very key piece to whatever the Magic are going to become. And so I think Wendell Carter Jr. is the best player available on my board, and who I took with this pick at number six. So there you have it. My selection in the NBA in the Locked On NBA mock draft was Wendell Carter Jr. out of Duke. I'll talk a little bit more about him in just a moment as a prospect because whether Magic fans like it or not, he is someone that the Magic will be taking a serious look at. And yes, I'm, I've been told he is due in for a workout before the NBA draft. So the Magic are getting a closer look at him. But let me just say a couple notes about the mock draft process. Um, uh, uh, this is something that that's popped up uh, for me, at least in a couple mock drafts I've done where we've had full trades. It's not just simply pick a player, no trades. It is full trades, full-on mock draft. Um uh, this mock draft, obviously, the Locked On NBA mock draft, did not go according to plan. Um, certainly did not go the way that, that I had hoped for. Um, as I mentioned there, it, it was pretty much the doomsday scenario. 
Um, being left with, frank, frankly, as I said, Porter and Bagley are probably the two better players overall. And I know I said take best player available, but those are the two players that I think do not fit the direction the team wants to go, both defensively uh, and with the roster that they currently have constructed. Uh, you you uh, Simply, if you're going to invest in Aaron Gordon, you cannot pick Michael Porter Jr. because he plays the same position as your two best players. And you probably can't pick Marvin Bagley. I'm, I, I don't think he can play center. Um, and so, again, you run into the same positional problem. Maybe that's something you ignore. Maybe that's something you you just say, you know what, we'll deal with it down the road. One of them will come off the bench for a while, and that'll be okay. I'm not there yet. As I mentioned on there, I did try and trade up to Dallas to take Mo Bamba at five. That didn't work out. Um, we, we, I just, in my discussions with Locked On Mavericks, they asked for Isaac. I said that was a non-starter. And, you know, then it became a general discussion about how bad the Magic's roster is. Um, I did try and trade back with Locked On Knicks. That didn't work out either. Again, we were we discussed briefly about Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, maybe that is a deal that I would pull the trigger on again if I had the chance. Trading uh, trading six and Bismack Biombo for, I think it's eight. Or sorry, for nine and Tim Hardaway Jr. Maybe I am willing to take on that extra money. Um, to, to, to move back, it, it didn't seem like it accomplished my goal of getting cap flexibility for Bismack Biombo. Certainly, I get a better player, but I, I kind of wanted some more cap flexibility in that case. The other deal that I tried, and, and I think is a deal that a lot of fans have, have locked on to as well, um, I, I did try and trade with the Clippers for 12 and 13. Nothing came of that. Um, it didn't get a response, uh, so... Uh, and I was looking at the Clippers roster, and really the only player that I had some kind of interest in, if, if I were adding another player, is Danilo Gallinari. Again, I would have to send out a player to make that work. I'm not, I wasn't thrilled with it. If, if I could have done six for 12, 13, and something else, um, I would have been, I would have been more, I would definitely would have done that deal, um, but I was struggling to figure out what that something else from the Clippers might be. The other deal that I that I did not get to that that I think would be something to explore as well if the Magic were to trade off of six uh, is six for the Sixers pick at 10 and uh, one of their later first round picks as well. Didn't get a chance to really discuss that. Um, obviously, I think Philadelphia is trying to keep cap room, so I don't know what they would whether they would do that deal. Um, one one player that's been kind of bounced around is maybe they trade Jared Bayless. Uh, you could maybe trade Shelvin Mack in that deal. That's where his non-guaranteed deal could come in handy. Um, so definitely something that might have been considered. Philadelphia thinks trying to keep some cap room, so I don't know if they'd move up to six in that scenario either. Especially, again, with the players that are involved. They might take a Macal Bridges. Uh, they might take uh, something else there, but, but I think Wendell Carter Jr. would actually be one of the players that they'd seriously consider taking if they ended up moving up in that draft. If, if I had to guess, I would bet Philadelphia's thinking of moving back or staying where they are and, and taking, again, an experienced player like Mikhail Bridges or, or see what falls to them at their spot. I did also try and move up into the latter half of the first round. Um, I, 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 I don't know if I should spoil it, but I was not able to make a deal. I got into some serious discussions with Locked On Lakers um, and got some cold feet, probably for the right reasons. The Lakers trying to clear some cap room. We're trying to dangle Luol Dang out there to help me move up back into the first round. As the first round developed, I kind of looked at it as like, there really isn't any player I'm willing to completely move up for. If they're not willing to take on Biombo or one of my bigger contracts, 
Um, I think we were ending up on Vucevic was 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 the main was the main player in that deal. If they weren't willing to take on those big contracts, then it really wasn't worth it to me to take Luol Deng because his contract is really really bad. Um, but I will say this. Um, the general lesson that I'm learning from these mock drafts is that the Magic are probably going to have to be willing to take on a bad contract to move around in this draft. And I think that's something that they might be willing to do if if they could swap, say, Bismack Biombo, uh, who's got only two years left on his deal, for a more productive player that might be getting paid a little bit more, but on three or four years, or three years left, probably not four years, but three years left, they might be willing to do that. Orlando's timeline is a little bit hazy. I, I think that, so, obviously, you re-sign Aaron Gordon. Then you have a little bit of time there before you uh, before you're really contending. You probably have another two, three years before you're really contending. Uh, and so, you know, you don't have to worry about paying Jonathan Isaac. You don't have to worry about paying anyone else. You can let Vuc- you can let Vucevic's contract lapse. You can let Ross's contract lapse. You can see what you can get for them. If you have a more productive player, then maybe you can trade that salary down the road. Um, it's it's not so terrible, but I will say that it, it constantly came up that yes, the Magic might have to be willing to take on a player who is on a quote unquote bad deal to get off some of the contracts that they want or to move up into this draft. And I think the Magic might be willing to do that again, but. Um, nothing really developed. Um, I will fully admit, uh, when I get into these situations, I tend to be conservative. Uh, I am. This is why I probably can't be a GM. I am not a risk taker. Um, I, I've, 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 I tried that once in, in a fantasy basketball league that I'm in, and it screws you if you're too aggressive sometimes. Um, so you have to be purposeful. You have to understand your goals and what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, and yeah, certainly, I wasn't aggressive on the phone calls like I probably should have been. Uh, but I think my conservative nature took over, and and I think that really explains my pick here of Wendell Carter Jr. I went the conservative route. I went for a guy that I think has some decent upside. I think has some some room to keep growing, uh, but ultimately is the safe pick, or what I felt was a very safe pick over guys that I don't think fit with my roster, uh, as well as maybe some guys that that don't quite have the same upside. I will say this: the fan sided uh, editors uh, mock draft also came out. That played out very, very differently. I was able to get Jaron Jackson Jr. in that draft at six. Both Trey Trey Young was gone, as was Mobamba, but Jackson Jr. falling to me at six was a was was not a dream scenario, but I was very, very pleased with that happening as well. So um really, you know, it, it was interesting. I don't think both Porter and Bagley will fall to six. Um that was really what turned this draft. It's really the first mock draft I've seen. Where both Porter and Bagley were not were, were available at six. Um, usually it's just one, um, and mostly it's usually just Porter. Um, it, it, so it seems very very low odds that 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 this is how things will play out for the Magic, where they won't have at least the choice of Trey Young or Mobamba or Wendell Carter Jr. or and one of Michael Porter Jr. and Marvin Bagley, not both. Um, so that was the strange thing about this mock draft. Maybe it says maybe it's confirmation bias on my part that that Porter and ba- Porter and Bagley are not guys that that I, they're not guys that I've really sunk my teeth into. I'm, I'm writing Bagley's uh, draft profile right now, um, but maybe they're not necessarily guys that that you really that that uh, that uh, that that a lot of that other people are really focused on either, and and then their flaws are a little bit more apparent. Um, but. Maybe not, um, but I, I don't think that's how this draft's going to play out. 
Um, it does look like maybe Luka Doncic is falling a little bit. I don't think he'll be there at six. I think teams that pass on him are very stupid. Um, and I am climbing over the desk to Adam Silver to get Luka Doncic on my team if he's there at six. Um, I said the same thing about Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, gr- great defensive player. Um, we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about him, um, I think, next week, but I, I don't anticipate he'll be there at six. Um, but that's how this mock draft played out. That's how that was my mindset and my strategy a little bit in this mock draft as well. I'm probably a little more conservative than most NBA GMs would be. Um, that's just my nature. Uh, so uh, things definitely could have played out a little bit differently. Um, I was in another mock draft where uh, I got in some discussion with the Grizzlies about getting into the first round again. Um, again, same kind of deal happened where we started discussing swapping bad contracts and bringing in Chandler Parsons, and I just didn't want to stomach that contract. I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to stick with what I got for now, and and that was that there. So my pick of Wendell Carter Jr., uh, certainly a pick that, uh, you know, I, I, we did a Reddit AMA on the NBA subreddit page uh, to for the Locked On NBA mock draft uh, just to discuss what happened. Uh, and, and a lot of people talked about my pick at six because I think a lot of people do rate Bagley very highly and Porter very highly. And I, I've explained why I am not so high on them. It's A lot of it has to do with positioning and where the Magic are at positionally. Um, Porter's back injury scares me. I would rate Porter ahead of Bagley. Um, and while I, I've, I've done some, some more tape review of Bagley and his offensive repertoire is very, very impressive, his defense is just so bad. And I'm just not sure he can learn defense. If he can... If he were an average defender, he would easily be a surefire top three pick, and, and he'll probably still go in the top three in this draft. Um, but that defense really, really bugs me. I don't know where he plays in the NBA. I don't think he's a five, and, and he's not a good enough shooter to be a four, um, and not a good enough perimeter defender to be a four, despite his athleticism. And that's why I've been kind of out on Bagley um, throughout this whole draft process. Um, so, like I said... So, so there's a lot of discussion on on the on the AMA today about my pick and and some 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 criticism and I think it's fair criticism because the Magic do need to make a splash and I do think they need to find a, a big name player a guy that's going to be foundational and and I will fully admit I I don't think Wendell Carter Jr. is necessarily that foundational guy I I don't think he will be an All Star but I think he will be a very solid player and. If, if I'm the Magic and at six, I feel like there are no all-stars on the board. There are guys maybe with all-star talent, but I don't think they're an all-star. The next thing you got to take is the guy that's just going to be there solidly, who's just going to show up, do his work, and be a contributing NBA player. I mean, at that point, maybe you just need to minimize risk. And to me, that player is Wendell Carter Jr. Um, like I said, I am pretty conservative on this stuff. Uh, if If... if if I weren't, I would have taken Michael Porter Jr. Um, I think I was down between. I think I was really, really down to Carter Jr. and Porter, Carter and Porter. And I just, I, I'm that back injury just scares me. Um, you know, I, I think it's perfectly acceptable to take Porter. Um, and and honestly, that's why I tried to trade back a few spots because I figured someone out there wanted Carter or someone out there wanted Porter or Bagley. And even if I traded a few spots and missed on Carter. I could go get a Shy Gilgis Alexander, or I could go get a Kevin Knox, who, again, I think he has the same positional problem, so I'm not super high on him either. I could maybe get a Macal Bridges. Um, you know, I, I could get a Colin Sexton. There were guys there that later, a little bit later on in the draft, that I was really thinking very seriously on. But to me, at six, Carter Jr. is the best of that bunch. If I if I could have gone back two spots to get Carter at eight, I would have gotten Carter at eight. Um, I would have taken him over SG over Gilgis Alexander. I would have taken him over Sexton, and so. 
I felt very comfortable with the Carter pick that I was at least getting a solid player. Wendell Carter Jr. at Duke had a pretty strong showing, um, even in Marvin Bagley's shadow. And and most, I think a lot of a lot of his teammates would say, you know, if it weren't for Bagley, Carter would have been the star on this team. Um, he's someone that just does that that doesn't complain that he's not getting touches. 13.5 points per game, 9.1 rebounds per game, nearly a double-double despite Marvin Bagley gobbling up rebounds the way he gobbled up rebounds. He was the anchor of Duke's defense in the middle of that zone defense. Solid shot blocker, averaging more than two blocks per game. Even though he doesn't have great athleticism and great and 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 really uh, his length is, is is solid but not spectacular, he just knows where to be defensively. Um, he moves his feet really really well. He protects the rim. Knows principles of verticality. Those are little things that you cannot teach. And so I think he can be a defensive anchor. Maybe not a game changing player like a Mo Bamba or in, in the style of Rudy Gobert, but. You know, he's a more mobile, maybe, I would say, in, in other words, he's maybe a more mobile version of uh, of Tristan Thompson. I mean, Tristan Thompson still a solid defender in this league when you have a big man. But I think what's different about Wendell Carter is he's a little bit more mobile. He can get out and defend defend wings and guards and, keep, and, and hold his own. I mean, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to hold your own and slow him down. Um, and that's really key. Wendell Carter Jr. to me also has a solid offensive game. He's maybe not the best back. He's a solid back to basket, but that's increasingly not the role that you're asking to do. And while he's not an above the rim runner, he can finish around the basket with with both hands. Um, he can step out and hit that jumper. He's got promising three point prospects, as as he showed at Duke, where he's a solid three point shooter. And so again, while he doesn't do anything spectacularly, I think he does everything really really well. Um, the way the way we described him on OrlandoMagicDaily.com is he's got a high floor and an even higher ceiling. You know what you're going to get from him. You know you're going to get a solid player that's going to be in the right spots defensively, block a few shots, uh, challenge shots at the rim, and you know be be someone who can pick things up on on defense. Um, I've told a lot of people this who are very high on Bagley that yeah I think Bagley's going to get his numbers in in the pros. I think he's going to average. 18, 19 points per game. But I think Carter is going to be the more impactful player. And this is what I mean by that. Bagley's going to get his numbers. Bagley is probably a better individual one-on-one player. But to me, Carter's going to help your team win more than Bagley does. Because if Bagley doesn't have the ball in his hands, if Bagley's not scoring, I'm not sure he's going to be much more than that. He attacks the glass really, really well. And that's a really good skill. But again, his defense really really bothers me. I saw teams attack him in zones. You don't see that. But with Carter, Carter, I think, can impact more facets of the game. He can be a a better, a bigger player throughout the game. And so even if he isn't scoring, he's going to contribute positively to your team. Now, granted, the Magic will still need pieces to make it all work. They would still need a better perimeter score. And I think, and like I've told a lot of people who say, oh, the Magic just got to draft a point guard. They need a point guard. You're not going to solve all your needs in one summer. The Magic need to be patient. They need to get someone that can help set their culture and build their foundation. And if you have a defensive front line that has Carter Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac, and Aaron Gordon, you've got three really good switchy defenders along that front line. You can figure out the guards still. you got to still figure out the guards, and you still got to figure out some shooting. But that does feel like a start. 
maybe not a, 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 as fast of a start as the Magic want or as fast of a start as, as everyone would anticipate, but I still think you have a very solid start, and I think that's really what the Magic are going after in this draft. Like I said, Wendell Carter Jr. is a conservative pick, and I fully admit that. That that's just kind of my proclivity. That that I want to go. I want to be. I want to go safe. My guys were not on the board. The guys that I really wanted were no longer on the board. And Wendell Carter Jr. is a safe pick to me. He's someone that's going to contribute. And at that point, that's really what I want. If my if my quote unquote superstar guys are not on the board, I want safe. I want someone that's going to contribute to my team and make them better. And I think Wendell Carter Jr. does that. Um, like I said. It wouldn't surprise me if the Magic don't have him that high on the board or or if if the Magic, you know, if any team would take Bagley or Porter over them, they're better players. I completely agree with that. And if best player available is the is the mode that the Magic should go, Magic should take one of them. I think Carter Jr. has the potential to be better than both or at least be, more impactful than both. And that's why I that's why I ended up going with him. The plan at that point with the way the draft played out, with the Magic losing out on the chance to pick Bamba or Young or any of those top guys, my plan was to take Carter Jr. I didn't want to take him at six because I knew that there were better players on the board. But eventually my time ran out and I ended up taking Wendell Carter Jr. I think it's a good, I think it's a solid pick, not an A pick, solid B pick. And I think that does help set the Magic on the path that they need to go on, obviously with some other pieces needed to get in. This is why, again, I, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Trey Young than a lot of people because I think Trey Young is the kind of risk that the Magic should take that can take the team up another notch. That's why I think you know Mobamba is kind of in the same vein, although I've done mock drafts where I've had both Young and Bamba available to me, and I've taken Young um, because of that offensive ability that the Magic definitely lack, and they can figure out the, the defense elsewhere. Either way, you're, you're kind of seeing the pattern there develop that no matter what the Magic do, they're not going to solve all their problems with one pick. They got to solve one problem first and then figure out how to make the other pieces fit together, at least for the short term, before solving them for the long term. But that's my pick for this NBA Locked On Mock Draft. Be sure to check out the rest of the NBA Locked On Mock Draft over the next few days over on Locked On NBA. You can find that on iTunes. You can, of course, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including a look at Marvin Bagley III, Wendell Carter Jr.'s Duke teammate, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. On tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic, I'll plan on discussing the Raptors hire of Nick Nurse, a favorite candidate for the Orlando Magic. And now that all the coaching spots have been filled, we'll chat a little bit about how the Magic ended up doing hiring Steve Clifford, where they might rank in the coaching power rankings, so to speak, or the new coach hire power rankings, so to speak, and put a bow on that part. I will note, though, that tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic will be coming into your inboxes late. I'm planning on recording it Friday afternoon rather than Friday rather than Friday morning. Um, just my work schedule is going to prevent me from recording, but it should hold over the weekend, uh, so definitely be sure to be patient with me on that. We'll definitely have that, and I'll have some other news as well, including uh, an update on Jonathan Simmons and perhaps, perhaps a little bit more. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Uh, Locked on Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic. 
your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.